Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Jason Lucart, and uh, this is the first episode of the Let's Go Tribe Talk podcast. Uh, I have no idea how to expect this to go. Hopefully, there's more than four of you listening. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll bring on a guest in a few minutes. Uh, plenty to talk about right now between the awful, awful stretch of baseball the Indians have been playing recently uh, in the draft. Maybe get into Chris Perez. Um, yeah, like I said, we'll see. Um, I became an Indians fan way back in 1986. My T-ball team as a little kid was the Indians, and that just sort of stuck, uh, which I guess is pretty unfortunate. Um, but it was back 86, 87, uh, the years that led to Major League. Pretty terrible baseball. Um, anyway... I figure when I have my guests on, it would be nice to hear a little bit about how they became Indians fans. Uh, and my first guest this week is going to be someone familiar to most of you, Ryan Richards, who is the uh, editor of Let's Go Tribe and the main contributor of content. So he does the heavy lifting over there. And uh, I'm going to bring him in to uh, kick this thing off. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, welcome, Jason. Um, yeah, I know, the, I know it's the first time for both of us, so let's... Uh... You know, let's get this going. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, rather than starting with the current state of affairs, which is so miserable, why don't we try to start with the glass half full, maybe talk about last week's uh, Major League draft. How did you feel about what the the Indians were able to do? Well, it, it, Major League draft is kind of different than a lot of the other sports because, you know, with NFL and NBA, you, you see the, the people that your team drafts you know, every, every week. And for a lot right. of us, even most hardcore fans, they probably never seen, I mean, if the Indians had drafted college players, they likely wouldn't have seen him play. And especially, right. you know, that they didn't, that they drafted a high school player. They definitely didn't see him play. So it, it's a little bit different for, for baseball fans. And, you know, plus it takes even the good players three or four years for them to, to get to the majors. I mean, if you look at, you know, the 2009 draft, that was the, I'm sorry, the 2008 draft was, 2009 draft was, was Jason Kipnis, and he's really just getting going in his career. And the year before that, 2008, was Lonnie Chisinau, and he's still in Columbus. So it's it's right. going to take some time, um, but that doesn't mean it's not important because. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's the, I mean, major importance. Um, I think you're, I think for me, I don't mind for whatever reason. I don't mind so much not having seen them yet. Uh, but yeah, it really it, it is hard to keep the perspective on, like you said, even the best guys you're looking at a couple of years before they're really going to be making any sort of contribution in Cleveland. Yeah, uh, um, but I was, yeah. I was I was I was happy with Clint Frazier as the first pick. I think it's it's easier to get excited about someone who seems to have a really high ceiling and who has a higher ceiling than the, the high school player of the year. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about them drafting uh, Colin Moran out of North Carolina. Uh, and again, like you were saying, we don't know that much about these guys, but I was able to talk myself into the idea that, oh, you know, he'll probably be a decent player, but he won't be a great one. And it's hard to be really excited about someone who you think will probably be, you know, a decent player. 
Yeah, I mean, when you, yeah, you like to dream with these players, and if if basically your the dream ceiling is basically average MLB player, and granted, Moran could turn out to be to be another Evan Longoria for all we know. Uh, that that's how much you know. It's such an inexact science, even even at the higher end of the draft. But you know, when you see someone like Frazier, who's kind of has a lot of the, I mean, basically just about every tool you can have except probably right now batting average or, you know, contact, you know, the, the sky's the limit. So you get excited, especially when you're, when you're picking that high, you want to be drafting players that have the um, capability of becoming those all-stars. Right. You know, and given, you know, how the Indians have performed in the draft the last, you know, decade plus, I think, you know, it's good to see them kind of rolling the dice on some players. And definitely, it's. I mean, so far it's worked out with Francisco Lindor, but uh, you know, it's good to see them kind of go into that uh, high upside pick again. Yeah, I agree, and it'll be a while before he's anywhere close to Cleveland. But he certainly, he's like you said, he he's the kind of player it's easy to to dream about him or wish cast on him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it seems like they drafted a lot of pitchers. They didn't have another pick until what was it like seventy eight or seventy nine? Yeah, uh, it was it was their pick in the third round. But it feels like they took a lot of pitchers after that, which they certainly need pitching. So I feel like if you take enough of them, the odds are a couple of them stick eventually. Yeah, the uh, you know obviously they they didn't have their second round pick. Um, and they also had a competitive balance pick after the second round, but they gave both of them up because they signed uh, Swisher and Bourne, which is a good trade-off, I'd say. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I mean the Bourne lot... one was sort of a unique, unique situation because so many other teams were looking at giving up, you know, the 15th or I think it was the Mets wanted to sign him, but they would have had to give up the number 11 overall pick, and the yeah. Indians and... because they had already signed Swisher were looking at only having to give up a much less valuable draft choice, which probably made the difference. Yeah, be, and actually because Pittsburgh um, didn't sign Mark Appel uh, last year when they drafted him, they caused the Mets pick to go down to number 11. Now, if Right, the and the Mets were, were arguing with MLB that they should still be allowed to consider it a top 10 pick, but MLB did not yeah. side with them, which Yeah, so so if the, you know, if the Pirates hadn't you know, had signed a Pell, the Mets might have been in on Michael Bourne, and he might have been a New York Met right now. So, right. It, but you know that you know, but that's kind of that's like giving up the second and the competitive balance is probably a good trade off for players of that caliber. But yeah, I think you know, so. if the Indians had been picking number fifteen or something, they might not have signed Bourne. So right. So that, and well, I guess in a way they were so terrible last year that they had a much higher pick. And that's the way you want it to work because you want the you know it, if you're you know like you know balance or having the bad teams having the possibility even a small market team having the possibility that advantage of signing a big free agent because the other kind of bigger market more successful teams don't want to give up their first round pick that's a good thing I think. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, certainly it worked out well this time. Um, although I guess we'll see how Bourne and Swisher do for the next four years. I'm not thrilled to pick Swisher at the moment. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I guess we'll get to him later. Uh, getting back to the, the pitchers, um, 
just from what I've read, Indians have kind of said that, you know, those are the guys on their board when they select them. But if you look at, um, you know, what some of the pitching has done at the lower levels, I guess you would understand why they had picked, you know, what, seven or eight straight pitchers after Frazier. Right. Um, I mean, Mitch Brown it's kind of has been hurt. Dylan Baker hasn't been great. Um, and some of the other kind of high school arms we haven't really seen in the full season leagues yet. So uh, you can certainly understand there's kind of, there's kind of a gap between kind of the group at Columbus and pretty much the bottom of bottom of the organization right now. So, so, uh, you know, obviously going through, going through the list, uh, um, obviously Dace Kime, who is obviously the, who actually you should, um, you'll be able to see, in the College World Series um, coming up, he's probably, he's their you know their top college pitcher taken. So, um, and then you have you know some uh, kind of a, a mixture of college arms, high school arms, and kind of relievers and and starters. So, right. the, the two guys, the two guys at five and six, will be kind of tough signs because they're committed to pretty high profile programs. I think Brady's committed to Florida and Casey's um, committed to, I think, Texas A&M. So it'll take probably over slot value to get them to sign. But, uh, you know, but last year they were were able to sign everybody. So I think, you know, it's given the benefit of the the doubt there. Right. Did you see uh, Dace Kime, who someone was pointing out his name. He sounds like a Jedi Knight from Star Wars. Uh, But last (laughs) night, on on one of the the posts you had on Let's Go Tribe, I, probably the one about him being drafted. Did you see that his aunt came in and, yeah, and commented? That's, that's pretty cool. That <laughs> number one that My, like his aunt would pick Let's Go Tribe to kind of you know post about her her nephew, you right. know, and so it, it's that's cool. It's, My immediate reaction was to, to then go back and double check the rest of the comments and make sure, not that anyone would know anything about him, but I'm like, oh gosh, I really hope no one said anything mean or horrible yeah. about him. Well, it's it kind of funny. Came in and saw it. It's kind of funny. I was just thinking about like, what if the Indians had drafted Colin Moran, and someone's relative, or whatever, had come across the site like, we hate this guy. No, it's. And that that's what's kind of funny about you know doing this and it's kind of the new social social media aspect of things where people are so close you know you have people athletes on Twitter you have Chris Perez on Twitter I guess until at least a couple of weeks ago and so it's it, it's just kind of funny how 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 close everything got gets. And I- I feel like people feel obligated to have opinions about everything now too. People have a much harder time to saying gosh, I don't know. I hope it works out well. You know, people, you're able to read so much more about people than you used to be. And so you, you feel like you're sort of informed about them. Um, and then we all just kind of spout off like we really know what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I certainly don't count myself a draft expert by any stretch of the match. I, I try to watch, you know, as many college games as possible, but it's during the baseball season. Right. So, Again, all this is comes with a grain of salt, and a lot of this is based on other resources that are out there that know a heck of a lot more than than I do about about college right. players. So well, yeah. they drafted they drafted Clint Frazier, and my first reaction was, "Wow, he's got really red hair." That that's and he was one of the top prospects, <laughs> and I knew his name and kind of his profile. But 
I don't think I'd seen a picture or video of him. No, yeah, exactly. It's not like, you know, kind of like the NBA draft, which they're ramping up for. Um, they have video, you know, lots of video. They probably, you know, probably, you know, people on, you know, Fear the Sword have probably seen probably, you know, several, at least several games of, of each player the Cavs are talking about. And, and, right. and with the MLB draft, it's even number five, you know, you you basically seen some grainy video. Of him, yeah. you know, basically some, you know, some high school games and some all-star games, and that's <laughs> all you have to go on. he might be striking out some 14-year-old who's batting 210 yeah. on the year. And I'd be that's, lying yeah. if I could say, oh, yeah, look at his mechanics. He's clearly a fantastic pitcher. <laughs> I can't, you know, break something yeah. like that. Down. And, and, and that's, part of, that's part of the reason why, I mean, it's, it's hard taking a high school player versus a college player because a college player – I mean, you kind of know what he's going to be. A high school player, you have to really project, and you know, and that's part. You know, that's part of why I think maybe the Indians, you know, have kind of stayed away from those those players. But right. at the same time, those high school players are usually the the players that turn in, you know, that have the highest ceilings usually. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a much bigger risk versus reward, but I feel like a team in the Indians position financially in terms of market size and things like that, you've, you've got to hit some home runs. If you're going to be a competitive team, you, you know, you've got to have a, a lot of things go right around the same time. And if a guy busts, he busts, but they're not going to do very well. If their best draft choices are just turning into decent players. They're mostly, if they're going to have a star, they're generally going to have to come from the draft. The Michael Bourne and Nick yeah. Swisher double signing was incredible, but it's not going to be the norm. And no, he, absolutely you know, not. I, yeah, I, I, I would not expect another Swisher born signing, you know, next year or maybe the year after. So it, it, yeah, exactly. They're gonna have they have to to build through the draft, and that's kind of what's been their downfall. You know, the 2007 was great, but they couldn't really sustain it because there was nobody coming in behind them. Those, you know, right. those players that they got via trades. And it's really hard yeah. to maintain a good organization by bringing in by using using the trade route for everything, right? By by swindling other GMs. Yeah, and and that, that goes on saying that you're trading good players, you know, right. like a like a Cliff Lee, which really hasn't really worked out. Um, CC Sabathia, right. who's who kind of worked out. So, you know, and you can't expect you know getting a Struble Cabrera. And Shinsu Chu for right. basically you know one a first base platoon you know every, yeah. you know all the time for Ben Carlos Sa- Santana ben for Casey Blake but yeah yeah exactly you're never going to be that good <laughs> so so the so the so the draft is and that's where you have to get your stars and through obviously you know international signings too but the because the Indians have been so poor at getting stars via the draft that's it's kind of set the groundwork for you know for the last i don't know 10 10 years yeah and it's you know, hard to know how much of it is it bad drafting is it bad player development i don't know how any yeah, outsider it, it, tries to pretend they yeah, know the difference re- between the two it's really hard to separate the draft pick from the development because a lot of times they go hand in hand obviously right. you need players with a talent but you also need 
they're not going to be major league ready. You have to develop them into major league players. Right. So and so it's hard to know. But regardless, they just haven't been able to to develop draft and develop good major league players. Well, acknowledging that we don't really know much about any of these guys, all in all, are you happy with how the draft turned out, given the picks that the Indians had? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, obviously, number pick number five overall was gonna is gonna define the draft one way or the other. So, and I was happy that they chose kind of the high ceiling guy versus kind of the high floor guy, so to speak. So, so, and you know, after that, I, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, if they, you know, assuming they sign most of the players in that top ten, that should help, you know, the pitching depth in the organization. Um, kind of like, you know, the the third round pick sounds like a guy who could be kind of like a I hate to hate to compare him, but kind of like the Justin Masterson type. Either could be a really good reliever, or a or a good starter, or you know, in Masterson's case, he kind of went beyond good to some to, to some, you know. In yeah. some ways. Yeah, I think Kime was a relief pitcher for a while in college, and then they put him in the rotation this year, and he's done really well. So hopefully that sticks, because obviously yeah. you'd rather get a good starting pitcher than a good relief pitcher. Yeah, you you can always find kind of two pitch guys, you know, kind of later in later rounds. So right. obviously where they picked him, they I'm guessing they want they think he can be a starter. Yeah, I think you're probably right. That must be their sense of things. Um, all right, well, we at some point should probably discuss the current situation, as ugly as it is. The Indians have now <laughs> lost seven games in a row and 15 of their last 19, I think. And yeah, I was digging like... around last night for teams that it, there was in the game thread last night. Someone was saying, oh, you know, like every, every team goes through a stretch like that. And then other people were saying, no, I think this goes beyond kind of a normal slump, and I looked up, and over the last four seasons, 2009 to 2012, 37 different teams had a, a four and 15 or worse stretch. And obviously, 19 games is an arbitrary number that I'm just picking because it happens to be where the Indians are at on the slump. But four and 15 or worse over 19 games. You've got 37 teams in the last four years. None of them made the playoffs. Only three of them had a winning record, and the best of those was the 2011 Red Sox, who were seen as having had one of the worst collapses in baseball history. <laughs> yeah, and the average, record of those, <laughs> the average record of those 37 teams was 70 and 92. And I would certainly take the over on that for the Indians this year, but it, it's it's hard to see a team going through this stretch and picture them as a team winning, you know, 85. 90 games and making the playoffs, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of weird because obviously the Indians are playing bad, regardless of the schedule. They're, I think I wrote down a couple of things. Their their team team line over the last 14 days is 224, 288, 341. That isn't going to cut. I don't care who you're facing. <laughs> and obviously, and their overall pitching is 5.26, and they've allowed 14 home runs. And the um, opposing batters are hitting 290, 358, 455. That's close to a nine, a little over 900 OPS. So it's not it's not that they're blowing games. They've blown a couple games. It's not that their pitching's been bad. It's not that their hitting's been bad. It's been all three at 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 one point or another. 
Right. And you know, and part of it is because they've played probably the toughest stretch of schedule that maybe anyone in Major League Baseball will play this year. So, right. and so it's a little bit of both. I, I mean, I, I don't think they'd be going have this record if they're playing the Astros, the, uh, yeah, the the Blue Jays, the White Sox, yeah, the Twins, and and they'll yeah, get their the chance twins. with those so, teams. But it is it is kind of telling though that these are the teams that they faced in the last couple of weeks that they're going to have to beat out for a playoff spot. Right. So it is, and and it's it is you know it's telling that they've been so bad. So it's it's part of you know what their hot streak you know before this they probably weren't that good. This streak right. now they they won't be this bad. So they're. I, I think the sense of it is that I think they're kind of a mediocre team this year. Which is unfortunate you know? because, I mean, it, mediocre is better than they were last year, but after bringing in the guys they did, I know a lot of fans were, you know, maybe not even the playoffs, but I mean, I said, they're only two games under 500. And I guess that's probably not that far off where, at least where I expect them to be this year. I, I think in my predictions, I, I had them down for 82 wins and, to go yeah, through this stretch, they'll only be, what, two games under and I think five and a half games back. It could certainly be worse. It's just it's hard going through a stretch like this as a fan. Oh, yeah. Well, this one this one feels a little bit different than last April, which was a similar stretch. Because last April, it just – I'm sorry, last August. August. And last August, it was – I don't know, for whatever reason, it just felt so much worse because yeah. at, least this, at least in this stretch – they're in games. Last last year, it was yeah. everyone was getting blown out. Uh, it was it was bad to watch. And of course, you know now there's still there's still a hundred you know hundred some games left in the season, and there's still time to you know right the ship. But I'm hoping I the Tiger think... starting rotation decides in mass to retire. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I think yeah exactly. That's the only reason really there. <laughs> the the Indians are going to have a better record than the Tigers. It's, I mean, the Indians faced their what seventh starting pitcher <laughs> on yeah. Sunday and got shut down. Um, yeah, their their sixth pitcher Drew Smiley would probably pitch would be like their second Indian second starter right now. Right. So it, and it, any yeah. of their top four would be the Indians ace. I mean, Masterson absolutely pitcher probably, but I think ultimately you probably take. I mean, really. In the entire division, I think Chris Sale and the White Sox and James Shields and the Royals are the only pitchers who would crack the top four of the Tigers' rotation. It's unreal how much pitching they've been able to put together. And it's almost surprising that the Tigers are only five five and a half games ahead. Because I mean, I could certainly see the Tigers kind of doing what the Indians did to the AL Central with ninety five or ninety six. Because the rest of the division. I guess the Royals have been a disappointment because they have so much talent. Right. They have, um, uh, but, I think the top-rated farm system in like from like 2009 to 2011, and it hasn't panned out. Yeah, exactly. The the and the you know then they went out and got Shields and you know supposedly kind of improved their rotation, which they've pretty much done. But that you know the farm system, which all the players got for the majors, they just haven't started to hit yet. Right. Well, I think so. 
I mean, the Tigers last year weren't in first place most of the season. The the Indians were early, and then the White Sox were for June, July, and into August. And then the Tigers kind of got their act together just in the nick of time. Their their five-and-a-half game lead right now is a bigger lead than any team in the Central has had since the end of 2011. And yeah, they have the I, I talent did, I, to just... Yeah, they have and the I talent have to pull away and run away from the division, but we'll see. Maybe they won't. Yeah, I, I think probably they can underachieve and win 90 games. So, right. and it should still probably what I mean last year. You'd look at them probably as a team as underachievers. Yet there they were in the World Series. Yeah, and against and, and playing this division when you play, you know, 18, 19 games against everyone, it's <laughs> it'll be it'll be have to be like several major injuries for them to right. finish. Yeah, I tend to know. to still think the wild card is a better bet just because, you know, the, the the teams don't have as much talent as Detroit. But we'll see. There's a lot of good teams in the AL right now. The Red Sox have really bounced back. And the A's, I thought, would fall off more from last year, but they're still playing well. It's the Angels, really, who are struggling a lot. But right now, yeah. any playoff spot feels like a a long way away. But I suppose we'll see. Yeah, and, and been the wild having... card. Oh, go ahead. And, yeah, and the wild card is kind of kind of difficult too because it, and now the Indians will have to for them to to challenge for the wild card. I guess we've already we've already declared them not winning the division. I guess, but so, but the, <laughs> but the wild card Detroit rotation retires, which they might. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> it's but probably not. But it, the wild card is, is going to be difficult because they've already lost to most of their competitors. I mean, except for Oakland. Um, yeah. Obviously, that New York obviously went what five and one against them. Tampa Bay, they've lost the season series to them. So in Baltimore, they Boston haven't played too, yet. Yeah. Oh yeah. In Boston, who? Yeah. So all the all those the top three there, and they haven't played Baltimore yet. So it it's going to be it's going to be an uphill climb for them, but. But again, I don't think they're going to tank the season like last year. Of course, I could be No, wrong. I don't either. But but I, I but they I, their schedule will start to get better after this week. And I guess we'll really see after they kind of get into the kind of the regular AL Central kind of uh, you know, the midget kind of schedule. <laughs> the, the tallest midget schedule so that see who um see who who can, you know, be second place, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose we're looking forward to our games with the Royals and Twins and White Sox, and they're probably looking forward to their games with us. So it's been tough having last week Cabrera getting injured, and who knows how long he'll be out, and now Zach McAllister on the DL. Yeah. Hopefully um, those McCall- guys, you know. McAllister, that, that's kind of, you get, kind of get concerned because he kind of had a similar injury to what Alex White had and, of course, Adam Miller um, a while ago. Um, but I guess they're saying that they're shutting him down just to make sure it doesn't turn into a full, you know, full blown thing where he needs surgery on it. But I mean, it's a major concern. McAllister is, I mean, he's, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of stepped up and become, you know, kind of that, that, you know, solid to good major league starter. And <laughs> if he goes down, he's in short supply of those. Yeah, Absolutely. 
The yeah, so uh, yeah, he's a concern. I mean, Cabrera, it's a it's a quad. I guess he'll you know take who knows with those those types of injuries that because yeah. baseball baseball players you know hamstrings and quads and everything. It, I guess it depends on the player. But um, yeah, I mean Hanley Ramirez and the Dodgers now. I think you know he played two games, went back in the DL, came back, played in one game, and now I don't think he started for the last four games and. But the, his first injury it was he he broke his thumb in the World Baseball Classic, but then he he strained something in his leg, and it's been I think three months since then, and he can't get back to 100. percent Yeah, and that's one of those injuries where you want to make really really sure that you're fully healthy again, because you know the first time you try to book it down first base, and you know you might be out even a longer period of time. But the good thing is that he needs to have a solid backup this year, and you know, in Avilas. And if that will, right. if that would have happened last year, <laughs> who knows how they, how they, you know, what the shortstop would have looked like? Because there was <laughs> there wasn't much. People would have been calling for them to call up Lindor at 18 yeah, years when old. Yeah, when he was in late, yeah, Lake County. There we go, <laughs> County to the majors. People, I guess people were. I've seen some people on Twitter saying, you know, well, Lindor, call, call him up. That hopefully that got quiet down because he's even though he's might be the best prospect in baseball by the end of the year with you know all the people ahead of him right, going to the majors out. graduating out and you know it's way too early to call him up. Yeah, but absolutely. so it's it's good that they have a, a solid backup in um, in Avilas because obviously Juan Diaz has done nothing at Triple A. <laughs> right. So if they didn't they didn't trade for him he'd be the shortstop right now. <laughs> Well, that would be terrible. Let's be glad we don't have to really think about that. Well, um, speaking of Lindor, how do you? There's been a little talk. He's just recently named to the Carolina League All Star team, so he'll be playing in that game in a couple of weeks. With uh, I think there's three other guys in the Mudcats going to that game. Um, we've talked a little bit uh, at Let's Go Tribe. Do you do you think he will be promoted to Akron after the All Star game? Do you think he should be promoted to Akron? Yeah, should be and will he? I guess it's two different questions. Um, I, I guess if you look at the contract situation, as Rubel Cabrera is signed through next year, um, I don't think they'll trade him. Who knows? Maybe they'll make Avilas the shortstop. But you, you would think your if your time frame is that you want Lindor to take over, you know, kind of get some call Lindor up at the tail end of 2014, and he'd be the starter at 2015. Then then maybe your schedule gets you know bumped up a little bit, so you, you're aggressive with promoting him to to Akron for the second half, and then kind of working it from there in 2014, depending on how he does this year. Or you could take the take the opinion that you know he he could he, it'd be better served to spend the whole year in Carolina, then start 2014 in Akron. And then maybe kind of do half and half that that year with him going to Columbus at the end of 2014. Right. I, I, I guess it. I think his defense shouldn't be an issue. Um, defense has probably never been an issue with him. It's how he, how his bat will adjust to you know right. to higher level pitching and when obviously is, I think someone brought up a good point in, in the uh, the thread um, last night that you know it's an A team league in the Carolina league. So you'll, you face everyone a lot. You, you play everyone a lot. 
and right. making adjustments is obviously a big part of becoming a major league player because once video gets out, everyone knows what your weaknesses are. So is that you know it might be something said you know something good said about that. Right. Um, yeah. I I, briefly... I, this is a classic example of something I feel like I should have a strong opinion about, and I can't quite bring myself to. Uh, no, uh, yeah. I won't be. As long as he keeps playing well, I'm not going to be bent out of shape about whether it's in Carolina or Akron the rest of this year. I'll, yeah, I'll this, trust this, the, this, this, this isn't I'll Lindor. i front office's judgment with what they do. Yeah, this isn't Lindor in Columbus heating things up because then that would be a totally different conversation. <laughs> right. um, you know, call him up now. You call him up to Cleveland. Basically, two it's two different minor league levels, and so it, he's not going to get called up this year. He's probably not going to get called up much next year. It's just a matter of how how you want to manage his development. Right. Before we go, the uh, the other big topic for the Indians last week was Chris Perez and his uh, arrest. <laughs> For well, I don't know, does it count as an arrest? Charged with drug possession, anyway. Um, yeah, it was. I'm not, I'm not definitely not a legal expert, so but <laughs> I, apparently by just is judging a, is by it, a less surprising member of the team to have something like this happen to. I, I don't like know if we, about if there was a tool at Let's Go Tribe <laughs> of who's going to get busted for marijuana during the season. Most people would have been putting their money on Perez. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily being arrested for what he got arrested for. It's just being get being in some kind of trouble, <laughs> whether it be yelling things at Oakland fans and the bleachers, or ripping the fans or whatever. It, it, I don't know. I, of course, it's been a while since he's had his name in the headlines, so maybe he was due for that. But yeah, it, it it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you saw that. I think. Um, I think Paul Hoyne said that last winter they tried, they you know put some feelers out to trade him, but really didn't get that much interest. Yeah, that's I, I, during the off season, you know, in comments, discussions, and people like, oh, we should trade him for. I see. I felt like a lot of fans had a really inflated sense of his trade value. That there aren't really that many GMs who are that concerned with the 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 proven closer label, and that you know when you look at his other stats they don't really stand out as a relief pitcher. You know, he's gotten the job done well enough, I suppose, but it's been about three years since he was really a much more than okay, pretty good relief pitcher. This certainly isn't going to help any. Yeah, he's been, he's been, I mean, he's had, he racked up the saves, was it two years ago? But, um, but if you look at kind of his peripherals, it's not, not great. Not like, Craig Kimball, great. Um, right. And obviously, obviously the, you know, the contract has a lot to do with it because if you're trading for Prez, you'll be getting, you'll be paying, you know, was it seven million or a little bit, or is it more than that this year? And plus seven, another seven and bump and this year. Yes, and plus another arbitration bump next year. And you know, so that's probably obviously why if if they did get some offers, those probably wasn't for very much. Right. So, and it's just going to be mean, for less now. I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere because he's not going to bring anything back. Yeah, and so, it's one of those things. It's like you don't want to just non-tender him. <laughs> but, right. um, you know, but he's probably going to be getting, you know, assuming he comes back and pitches reasonably well, you know, if the shoulder's okay. 
and you know he finishes the season reasonably well, he's going to get another couple million dollars more in, in arbitration. And and I don't know, I don't think the Indians are going to want to hold, you know, take that salary on next year. I don't either. I don't. I don't think the Indians should be paying any relief pitcher nine million dollars a year or whatever. It's going to be much less yeah. than one who's not particularly good. Yeah, and it's, and it's it's one it's one of the things it's one of those things if you are going to pay someone that much you better be you know a contender going for right. it this year or next year and you know, uh, but even if they are going for next year I don't see any reason why they have to have him on their team I don't either the money can be better spent yeah make code, like make the, the, the bullpen is the last thing to spend money on oh yeah for especially for you know a team like the Indians who are probably going to have be looking to try to extend Justin Masterson um, and several other players are getting big bumps. I think I'm trying to remember who it was, whether Bourne or Swisher's salary was pretty low this year. It's going to get a big bump next year. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, obviously they're not going to have the flexibility that they had last year in signing, you know, big free agents. They'll probably, it'll be kind of tough to kind of fit everyone that they have on next year's payroll. Right. And Perez, he's kind of a, you know, <laughs> unnecessary. I hate to say unnecessary, but you know, you can definitely put no, that I, his, his salary to better use. The the last thing to be mentioned about it was the the delivery that it was <laughs> delivered to his dog. Is that correct? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and about I think about five Who's your seconds friends after, with on Twitter, I hear. Yeah, like five seconds after that, you know, all that big story, all the details, the lurid details, I guess, uh, got released. Um, I guess uh, the president's dog now has a Twitter account. So uh, so you can check up, see what the, the president's dog can, is doing. Um, apparently, he's a not a very well-behaved family dog, but, um, you know, you'll be able to see what's going on. <laughs> Well, Ryan, oh, yeah, thanks for joining me today and, and, and helping us kick this off. Um, I'm sure I'll have you back fairly often to talk things over as the season goes by and then the off season too. Uh, anything sure. else you'd, you'd like to tell the listeners today? Uh, no, just uh, hope this turns out to be somewhat somewhat okay, <laughs> and so maybe we'll you know this will become a regular thing. Somewhat okay. That's the best we can hope for. <laughs> Yeah, we're Cleveland fans. Somewhat okay is what we hope for. <laughs> All right, well, thanks again, Ryan. Okay, thanks. All right, well, I guess I'll wrap it up. I think this went fairly well. I babbled a little bit at the front, so to avoid babbling at the end, I think I'll just say goodbye, and we'll see you again soon. Let's go, Tribe. <laughs>